Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and a holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Isabel Friend, an international water advocate and educator. Beyond all other health aspects of drinking water, Isabel drives into the biology of structured and unstructured water. Her work is available at www.waterislife.love. The topics we discuss in today's interview are the story behind Isabel's journey becoming a water advocate and researcher. What is the best kind of water to drink? Does water amplify emotions? Solutions to stop water crisis. how water carries information about the universe in it what is bulk water and how it affects us a very enlightening interview that can change the way you look at water from now on and now we go over to isabel hello isabel i'm so happy to have you in my podcast ayurvedic healing and beyond and the concept of water and the intelligence the element of water is possessing this is one of the most fascinating topics that i have always been curious about so i'm really looking forward to having this interview with you isabel so thank you so much for being part of my podcast thank you so much for having me on i'm really honored by the invitation and just so excited to chat and share with you about this amazing topic and so isabel first um, could you share what got you so much obsessed with studying about water well i think it was 2009 when i first discovered water work and i was living in brooklyn at the time i was a nutritionist mm-hmm. and so i was really interested in um the ways that we can sort of optimize our human potential based on the food that we're eating mm-hmm. and gradually i started to realize that actually the water we drink is far more important than the food that we eat because if the water we're drinking isn't optimized we can't even absorb the food that we're eating even if we're mm-hmm. eating the highest quality food mm-hmm. and because you know we're 70% water by volume but molecularly we're 99.9% water molecules and so you know they say you are what you eat but i think it's even more so that we are what we drink so I when that. i started to recognize that i got into the work of um of victor schauberger and once i discovered his insights i mean that the rabbit hole was open and i just never stopped stumbling down it um he was the the water they call him the water wizard he lived in the late 1800s and early 1900s and he had a deeper understanding of the mysteries of water than any hydrologist alive today by far by many orders of magnitude um and it sort of awakened me to the understanding that water holds the keys to all of the most difficult and most pressing questions that humanity has whether they're questions of climate and ecology or health and disease or even um wealth and economy you name it water as the matrix and mother of all life mm-hmm. holds the answers to life's toughest questions and so um that was kind of where it started 11 years ago and even after 11 years of studying water i still to this day i learn new things just about every single day i think it'll be a a lifelong study or even many lifetimes wow i love the way you put that Uh, you know 99% of our cells is actually water and so it's not what we eat we are what we drink that's such a 
very powerful statement in fact and in see we we say that there is a potential that there is life in mars because we could see the water element in another planet so the moment we see the water element we assume there is life there because we associate always life with water and all the when you take all the five elements it is actually the water element that gives life all the other elements are like supporting factors to how to enhance the quality of life that's how it absolutely yeah they say that everywhere in the universe there is water without life but nowhere is there life without water and even in in the solar system as you were saying you know we know that there's there is the potential for life elsewhere because we see so much water elsewhere in fact in our solar system about mm-hmm. 70% mm-hmm. of the condensed matter in our outer solar system is actually different forms of water different forms of ice mm-hmm. and with the prevalence mm-hmm. of hydrogen throughout the universe and hydrogen literally means in latin it means water creator i mean even on a universal scale we're actually swimming through a cosmos that is largely water well i never heard someone uh, simplify it to another dimension like this because we only hear that okay you have to drink water and if you get dehydrated you could be sick or you could be dead but when you go to the deepest levels this is opening up and like like you said it's like another rabbit hole so mm-hmm. i'm getting excited well, about the next question well the big part of my question. work is uh, oh go ahead <laughs> no 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 go ahead the big part of your work A big part of my work is is sort of recognizing the holographic mirroring that happens through water from the micro to the macro scales. You know, I I'm sure of course you're familiar with this ayurvedic um principle that all of the elements of the universe are contained contained within us and in the same basic, you know, proportion so that we actually contain uh the universe within us in a way and and when you look at it from this perspective of water you see that not only is our solar system 70% water uh our planet earth is about 70% water our bodies are about 70% water each cell within our bodies is about 70% water and so one of the things that really fascinates me and, and especially lately where my my research has been taking me deeper into is is the ways that water um creates this this mirroring so it's like uh, the when we talk about the concept of fertility fertility is something that we use the term for something that can be reproduced or replicate where the evolution can sustain so whenever mm-hmm. we talk about this you know we always associate with the feminine side and and in sanskrit and in the vedic uh, concepts you know the water has a feminine energy towards it you know we call mm-hmm. the river is a feminine or in fact just the the word for water itself is a feminine gender it's not a masculine gender mm-hmm. so have you associated something like that with your studies absolutely well you know it's interesting because water although she is cross culturally recognized as being the mother and and this primary feminine element she also actually contains both the masculine and the feminine so mm-hmm. if you look at the water molecule she's got h2o dihydrogen oxide so the two hydrogens carry a more negative charge mm-hmm. and are more commonly considered to be the two feminine atoms of the pairing and then of course she has oxygen 
which is the more positively charged masculine aspect of the pairing. And it's this dynamic balance, this lovemaking between the masculine and the feminine, this constant movement and electrostatic charge between the hydrogens and the oxygens that allows all of life to, to exist. Um, but because there are two more hydrogens, which is the more feminine, she is a more feminine, um, has a more feminine presence. And there was a researcher, I can't remember exactly who it was off the top of my head. This is a more esoteric aspect of water. I don't get to share with people very often. Um, so I can't remember the name of the researcher, um, but basically one of his theories is that in all of the universe, there has to be this, um, this dynamic interplay, this balance, but mm -hmm. it can never be a balance of 50-50 between the masculine and the feminine because that would lead to entropy and it would lead to stagnation. And so there always has to be this um, dynamic shifting where there's always a little bit more of one and that kind of leads to the spiral rather than the circle, right? All of the mm -hmm. energies of the universe move in a spiral. They're constantly dynamic and shifting and evolving if they just went in a circle and in this kind of 50-50 somewhat linear way, then life wouldn't be able to continue to move and grow and evolve and, and become more complex over time. And we see that so well mirrored in water, who is mostly feminine, but of course contains this dynamic balance and even contains all of the elements. You know, she contains the perfect polarity, 50-50 mm -hmm. of masculine and feminine and positive and negative charges. And, and when we see water in nature, she also contains the balance of all of the elements. You know, water contains earth within her. She contains fire within her. She helps give birth to fire, actually. Mm -hmm. um, of course, she contains air within her. So she's kind of, again, she's this holographic um, sort of body of, of universal consciousness itself. Oh, that's a powerful way of explaining uh, this concept. And Isabel, you talk in your works, you talk about, you know, drinking foraging spring water and how that potentially changed your life. Could you mm -hmm. explain a bit more on that? Absolutely. Yeah. So most of the water that we come into contact with and the most of the water that we are accustomed to drinking is um, highly processed water. Just like we don't want to eat really processed food, we don't want to drink really processed water either. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, uh, reverse osmosis or distilled water, it's just been refined down to this very, very pure H2O. Mm. And there's this idea that the more pure the water, just like, you know, if you refine... Uh, if you refine wheat down to just the most pure carbohydrate and you have white flour, you know, at one point that was believed to be the most nutritious part, you know, you've, mm -hmm. you've taken out, you've stripped it of all of the other elements. And so you just have the pure white flour and that must be the healthiest. And now we know it's actually the opposite. Mm. Now we know that the more we refine something, the more denatured it is and the more it actually wreaks havoc in the body. And so most of the water that we drink not only has been robbed of all of the elements that water should contain, like we were talking about before, um, you know, reverse osmosis and distilled water don't contain the earth element or the fire element or the air element. So mm. it's not a balanced water. It's not a, um, it's not a living water. Mm. Um, versus, for example, if you go and harvest spring water, directly from the earth, right where she arises from the aquifers, there's, there are so many um, qualitative and quantitative differences in this water. One of the most important being 
um, the structure of the water molecules. So there have, there's been a lot of research done within the past 10 years, over 20 years even, over uh, the different phases of water. And even beyond solid, liquid, and gas, there's actually a fourth phase of water that's called structured water. It's also called crystalline water or exclusionary zone water. And it's basically where all of the molecules, um, they bind together through these electrostatic hydrogen bonds and they form these beautiful hexagonal matrices. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of water that arises from a spring because of the, the geomagnetic forces of the rock that it arises from and because of the, this spiraling effect that happens as the water is drawn up through a vortex of lunar gravity to the surface. And so when it arises, when it, when it first hits the surface, it's some of the most pure, pristine, beautifully living water that we can, that we can ever drink. And just personally, when I first started drinking it, um, maybe yeah, maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, I noticed a huge difference in my my awareness, my presence, mm-hmm. uh, the quality and the pace of my thoughts and my emotions and my meditative states and my intellectual access. Of course, it was all very subtle, very very subtle. But you know, the most powerful things in life are always the most subtle things. I think. Um, and it sort of makes sense in a way because, of course, um, water, you know, if you, if you study Jungian psychology or Jungian symbolism and, and the symbolism in countless cultures around the world, they all say that, you know, water equates to our psyche and our mentality and our emotions. Um, and so the water that we drink not only has a direct effect on our physiology and our, the state of our health, but also the state of our mental health as well. Oh, that's so true. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. why some of the packaged drinking waters have the photos of the mountains and they say that pure Himalayan water or the water coming from Himalayas or the Alps. And so that we feel that, oh, we are so connected, but at the same time, we get it in a packaged water. But it's farther from the truth after going through all the reverse osmosis. I can only imagine what kind of a disconnected water we are drinking. But, you know, technically speaking, when you look at the chemistry, it's just two hydrogen and one oxygen. But when we say after the reverse osmosis, but when you talk about the molecular shift, to what extent is the shift happening? And are you saying that the life energy of the water is deteriorated after this? Mm -hmm. So if you look at reverse osmosis, basically, um, and and distillation is the same, except distillation Mm -hmm. is through thermal means. And boiling water? uh, Reverse osmosis. And boiling water as well, but to a lesser extent. Um, Boiling water has a sort of a different um, result. So with distillation, I mean, distillation is basically boiling and then you just harvest the steam from it. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it separates all of the molecules away from each other. So in the steam phase, the molecules are very separated. Mm -hmm. And then when they, uh, um, any large particulates are left behind and you just get that very, very pure H2O. Now, uh, technically from a chemical standpoint, water is never just pure H2O. We say that, Mm -hmm. Um, but water is is the universal solvent and it's always hungry. And so as soon as that pure H2O contacts the air, it's going to absorb some carbon into itself. It's going to absorb some oxygen, some extra oxygen, like all of these things. So water is never just just pure H2O. Um, But we say that when it comes to reverse osmosis and distillation because any particulates have been left behind. And of course that's good if you're dealing with a very, very 
uh, toxic or contaminated water. Mm-hmm. But the issue with that is that, and, and reverse osmosis is basically the same as distillation, but through mechanical means. So they press the water through a really fine submicron filter that mm-hmm. spreads the molecules apart, and then the molecules come back together um, in a chaotic way. And um, when the molecules come together in a chaotic way, there's no coherence, there's no structure, there's no pattern. The hydrogen bonds are actually forming and breaking apart billions of times per second. And so there's no time for them to snuggle up and talk to each other and have good communication. And that's one of the main functions of water in nature is as a purveyor of information and of energy. And also um, when you look at natural water that humans have been drinking since, you know, since before we were homo sapiens for many hundreds of thousands of years. Um, this water, there's, again, there's no such thing as, as such pure refined water in nature. And so normally if you harvest water from a spring or even, you know, our ancestors, if they were harvesting water from, from a stream or wherever it was, um, there would have been a lot of dissolved minerals mm-hmm. in that water, mm-hmm. you know, magnesium and, and uh, Zing, potassium yeah. and, all these different zinc, all these different ions that we need to survive and to thrive that are extremely, extremely important for our health. And of course, we know that right now there are epidemic levels of mineral deficiencies in people all across the globe. And it's not just because our soil is being depleted. And so our, our food doesn't have as many minerals. It's also because we're not getting those minerals from our water anymore either. In fact, the World Health Organization actually warns against drinking distilled or reverse osmosis in the long term because it can lead to things like diuresis and heart disease, largely because it, it not only doesn't contain the minerals, but it actually strips the minerals from our bodies. So because this water has been robbed, basically, of, mm-hmm. of what it's meant to hold, what it's meant to carry, it becomes hungry. And it becomes what hydrologists call an aggressive solvent. And so it just seeks to fill itself back up again. It's going to grab anything from its environment voraciously. And when it goes through you, not only does it not hydrate you, it actually actively dehydrates you because A, your body can't absorb it when it's not structured and B, it's going to leach minerals out of your body. And it's even more dangerous when we put this kind of water in plastic bottles, for example, because it's going to leach the phyto or the xenoestrogens from those plastic bottles even more voraciously because it's this aggressive solvent at this point. Wow, so you are saying we are paying a huge price of filtering the water just to get rid of the microbes. Mm -hmm. We think these microbes can invade us and have some poisoning kind of uh, symptoms. But in the long run, we are actually paying a bigger price by depleting ourselves from the minerals and the, vitam- or the vital elements from nature. And that, in fact, is creating more trouble than from the microbes that we could potentially get inside. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes and no. I mean, it depends on the source water. If you're dealing with extremely contaminated source water, then it's a great idea to filter it. Mm-hmm. But there are certain steps that you want to take after you filter it to make mm-hmm. sure that you bring it back into a more natural state, like adding electrolytes, adding some high quality salts, for example, mm-hmm. or adding some, um, some marine plasma that will kind of give it that earth element back. And then for the air elements, you know, um, making sure that it's well aerated, that it's mm-hmm. not you know, completely sealed up and still because 
um, natural water has nanobubbles of various gases dissolved into it. And that's a big part of, of its bioavailability for us. And so you want to have that air element in there. And then, of course, you want to have the fire element, making sure that it's exposed to beneficial light frequencies. And um, so there are things that we can do to bring mm -hmm. it back into its natural state. But if you're talking about water that isn't contaminated to begin with, like water we're just getting straight straight from the earth, I mean, in most cases, unless you're, you're dealing with an area that has been heavily fracked or you're dealing with uh, groundwater or something like that, in most cases, um, I do think that, that the filtering, that, that this particular kind of filtration does more harm than good. Now, there are other filters out there that are a bit more obscure, but there are some really great brands coming onto the market now that, that don't denature the water in those ways. So what is the best water to drink? Uh, and let's say somebody's living in a big city and um, you know, they're the only source of water is they need to get packaged water or the tap water, which is coming after filtration. So what could we advise to some people who are living in big cities who don't have access to spring waters? Mm -hmm. Well, I would recommend that anyone in a big city at least look and see where their closest spring is because people are generally quite surprised to find just how prevalent they are. You know, even when I was mm. living in New York City, there was a spring on Staten Island. You know, there's a spring in the middle of L.A. There a lot of times cities are actually um, were originally founded around sites that were very water rich so that people could thrive there more easily. And, and sometimes those springs are still in existence um, so it's always worth checking. And you can actually go to findaspring.com, which is a global user-supported website. It's an international site that has springs um, from all over the world. So that's the first place to start. But recognizing that it's not always um, super accessible to everyone, I definitely don't recommend drinking straight tap water, of mm. course. And a lot of people will get a Brita filter or a pure filter or similar, but basically that's like the Febreze of water filters. It removes the smell of chlorine, but it doesn't actually remove any of the chlorine. Um, so you wanna invest in a really high quality filter. I have a PDF resource guide on my website that people can get where I have several filter options, um, things that I recommend. The most important uh, factors you wanna consider when looking at a, a filter are does it structure the water? Mm -hmm. Most filters do not restructure the water. So you mm. want to make sure it has some aspect of being structured and being balanced, like balanced in terms of the mineral profile. Most filters mm -hmm. um, do not give minerals back to the water. There's one, there's a really great one out of Australia that's called the Beautiful Water Filter by a company mm -hmm. called Extreme Wellness. Mm -hmm. There's another one, um, that is out of the UK. Mm -hmm. It's called New Water Generations. They're fantastic. My mm -hmm. favorite ones are the ones that have um, some sort of vortex on the end of them because the easiest way to, and if you can't afford a really high quality filter, of course, I think it's the most important thing to invest in for your health because this is, this is your life. Your water is your life. It's your life force. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to invest in anything for your health, you know, one of these filters will last a lifetime you might have to change the cartridges from time to time but it's really worth it but i understand you know these are tough times for a lot of people there are also ways that you can even if all you have access to is reverse osmosis water 
there ways that you can personally give bring structure back into the water again through vortexing, for example. Um, and there are, of course, easy ways that you can add minerals and electrolytes back to the water to balance it through a high quality salt. Um, and these are all, I go through about a million <laughs> different options and ways and steps of things that you can do on, a, on an e-course that I have available. It's really, it's like a dance. Mm. Um, MJ Pengman, one of my favorite water researchers says that it's, it's really a dance that we do with water when we bring water back to life again. She's our, our lifelong dance partner, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing you do is to uh, structure the water, which kind of sets the stage for the dance. And then mm -hmm. you want to expose the water to beneficial frequencies and energies and vibrations. And that's like the music of the dance. So it's really a two-part process. If you have water that's structured, but it doesn't contain beneficial energies, it's what Victor Schauberger referred to as an immature water. Mm -hmm. But if you expose the water then to beneficial uh, vibrations and it's actually going to be carrying medicine into your body well that's quite healing and i love the way when you said you know you can just please look in no matter how big the city that you're living in you can look for a spring source nearby in fact even the name india it's actually originally from a river called sindhu so uh, in fact most of the civilization started from a water source because that's where life came in. So we just need to look into it from where we can get the water source. So the, the, the website that you said was findaspring.com. Am I correct? Findaspring.com. Mm -hmm. F-I-N-D-A. Yes. Mm -hmm. S-P-R-I-N-G.com. Findaspring.com. Perfect. And you can also knowledge. look at a, a geological survey sometimes. If you don't find anything on there, you might be able to contact your local area and find the, the geological survey which might have a lot of springs listed i really think that more so than than just kind of the the left brain scientific um and and health and wellness based aspects of drinking water which are of course vitally important for us all to to recognize and remember and learn about mm -hmm. i really think that it's this communion this relationship that is the most important part of um, reconnecting to water mm. because it has to do with making a pilgrimage to the source of life and, mm. and being there right in the moment that it's born and then making yourself of the substance. When you drink water, it becomes your blood within five minutes. Mm. And most of us are outsourcing the creation of our blood to various companies through drinking bottled water or to our city government by drinking municipal water. And so we have these sort of surrogate stand-ins in between ourselves and the source. And there's a really powerful empowerment and a really powerful sovereignty and communion with nature that happens when you make your blood of water that was just in the earth only a few minutes ago. There's this there's this re relational aspect that I find to be the most uh, transformative experience for people. Well, and uh, Isabel, so how do you understand, I mean, uh, the difference between a structured and unstructured water? Yeah, so that's a really important question. And let's start by sort of thinking about a crystal because mm -hmm water structured water is often called crystalline water mm -hmm. and it's actually a lot like a quartz crystal so with a quartz crystal 
you have silicon dioxide molecules that form a lattice mm -hmm. and water's hydrogen oxide molecules can join together in these hexagonally structured single layer sheets just like the quartz crystal does but unlike quartz you know the sheets are flexible and they move independently because they're not glued together by the protons um, so the majority of the water in your body is structured water. It's bio water. It's this mm -hmm. crystalline form, this crystalline phase of water. And it actually behaves with a principle called quantum coherence, mm -hmm. which allows the water to communicate over vast distances instantaneously, faster than the speed of light. I mean, mm -hmm. crystals, of course, we know they have profound properties. That's why we use crystals and watches and computers because they can store and transduce and transmit and amplify different frequencies, right? Mm -hmm. Well, crystalline water is also capable of storing, receiving and storing and transducing and transmitting information about its environment. Uh, Dr. Rustam Roy, one of the foremost water structure scientists says that you can sort of conceive of it as like the water molecules are sort of like letters of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And depending on how the letters of the alphabet are arranged, you can write all of the sonnets of Shakespeare, right? But when mm -hmm. they're a random jumble of letters, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't carry any information. And it's the same with water. If the molecules are jumbled together, that's bulk water. And it can't convey information. It can't carry life force energy. Whereas when the molecules are bonded together in these matrices, they become extremely intelligent. When they're in a formation, they can store information and that it actually acts like a hexagonal battery of crystalline fractal antenna in your body. And I know that that by saying that, just those words together might sound like the most woo-woo new age thing. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm science. sure I would have thought the same thing if I had heard that phrase, you know, 12 years ago. But um, actually, there have been about six Nobel Prizes awarded for studies in structured water within the body. Um, now, it's important to recognize that as we age, our body becomes less structured. Um, and especially the water that's right around our DNA. Mm. So our DNA is actually held in its chiral structure by highly, highly structured water molecules that because they form these really dense icosahedral calathrate geometries, they form the spirals, they form the double helix of our DNA. It's like the backbone of our DNA. And over time, just due to chronic inflammation and dehydration, which pretty much everyone on earth suffers from chronic levels of dehydration. Um, those chiral structures of the DNA start to loosen a little bit. And you can see a huge difference between the structure of the body water in a sick person versus the structure of the body water in a well person. And I think that's really the, the foundational basis of, of health states and disease states. You know, if we're 99.92% water molecules, then when something goes out of balance with our health, it really should be the water that we look to first before anything else. Is there a water metabolism disturbance? And we can see again and again with every disease state that it's not just a matter of there being less water in the body, but specifically less structured water. Because every single cluster of water molecules has 
over 440,000 panels on it. And each one of these panels is responsible for sensing and storing and transmitting information about its environment. So when the water is out of tune, it's not able to conduct the symphony of, of electrical impulses that we need to survive and thrive. You know, we're not just, a, we're not just chemical beings, we're really electromagnetic beings as mm. well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's uh, mind-blowing, in fact. I mean, you were saying something about bulk water. Can you just uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so bulk water is, is pretty much what we know of as water, what we think of as water, regular liquid H2O. Mm. And that's where the molecules are not together in a formation, whether because um, the water has been sitting stagnant for too long or it's been heated up or because it's been put through pressurized pipes at right angles, or because it's been exposed to harmful electromagnetic frequencies, or because it's been filled with um, any kind of contaminants or any kind of um, heavy metals or uh, chlorine fluoride. All of these are factors that cause water to lose its structure. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So listening to all that you said right now, and if we were to study medicine through the concepts of water, like structured water and unstructured water, we would say disease is a result of too much of unstructured water element in your system. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, there have been some incredible doctors and scientists and researchers who have just done amazing work in this field. And my new e-course that I'm launching next week is actually all about this. It's all about health, wellness, medicine, physiology from the standpoint of really the primacy of our mm. bodies of water first and foremost. And um, it's, it's really fascinating work because it's, I think it's the single most unifying thread between mm. all types of medicine, mm -hmm. past and present and throughout all cultures. Um, it, it really, water is this unifying thread of health and wellness. Yeah, I, we can completely relate to that. And that is why it's also called as a universal solvent because it mm -hmm. literally mm -hmm. breaks down everything to the centerpiece of the DNA aspect. So, yes. Isabel, you talk yes. about high And when we have a problem and we want mm -hmm. to solve it, when we have a problem and we want to solve it or dissolve it, we call that a solution. And also oh, yeah. when we have something that we dissolve into water, we also call that a solution. And for that reason, you know, I, I really think that water is the solution to solve or dissolve all of the world's problems. Wow, I never looked at that word solution in that aspect. Wow, that's awesome. So we need a solution, just use water. It's amazing how, <laughs> how much water wisdom is... Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much water wisdom is woven into, into language, like even being well, mm. like having wellness. The word well means to source from deep in the earth. <laughs> wow. Even when you talk about even financial language, they call it, oh, we need to liquidate the asset. We talk about liquidation. That's the way it can yeah. happen. To liquidate your assets to become more, get more abundance, get more mm -hmm. flow. <laughs> exactly. Flow, again, something about water. Wow, yes. So it has a mm -hmm. lot with the water element. 
Well, even currency, right? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's the these current. currents. The currents of the flow is the currency. Oh, yeah. And now we are going through the third wave or second wave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, no, I was just going to say, since we were on the topic of abundance, there is a mm-hmm. direct correlation between your relationship to water and your relationship to currency and abundance and flow. And this is a more esoteric um, aspect of water wisdom. It's obviously not something that we can quantify scientifically. So I do want to make that stipulation as I make this statement, because, you know, I, I try to be very clear about that. I, I toe the line. I, pretty much everything I say, it can be scientifically backed, but um, there are also just the more philosophical elements of studying water. And, um, and it's, it's pretty recognized that yeah, your relationship with water is directly correlated to your relationship with prosperity, because water, of course, is the source of mm. all prosperity on the planet. She is the ultimate abundance. And as Victor Schauberger said, um, he said, water is the capital of capital, meaning there is no capital without water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so mind-blowing. I'm curious why we never learned about water this way and we just learn about H2O and drink water and purify water and boil water. Nothing more that we study other than these things. And we learn about the pH of the water. And Isabel, mm-hmm. you talk about hydromancy, you know, like, you know, it's a process that you talk about. Can you explain about this concept as well, about foreseeing the future and those things? Yeah, so water is a source of wisdom, of course. You know, water um, itself is related to the word memory. In, in Greek, the word for water is mem. And so we get this word memory from that because water, again, can store so much information and, and she never forgets. And so water remembers all of human history hmm. and even beyond all of natural history, all of universal history. She's basically the physical counterpart of the Akashic records. Um, and so in countless cultures, water was queried through various methods of water divination called mm-hmm. hydromancy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many examples, like the Kogi in Colombia, for example, they make all of their decisions by reading the patterns of, um, of bubbles that are formed mm-hmm. by these little hollow beads that they drop into a gourd of water. Or yeah, I'm sure everyone listening has heard of Nostradamus mm-hmm. and his predictions. And he was actually using hydromancy to to make all of his predictions through the movement of water in a bowl. And of course he was just amazingly accurate. And, and you see the same thing in Greece where, um, you know, the Oracle at Delphi, the priest, the priestesses there would actually inhale water vapor steam from a cleft in some rocks when they were preparing for, for doing these readings and going into trance. And it was believed all throughout Greece that specific spring waters um, were imbibed by certain oracles for, for certain reasons in their trance. And, you know, you see something similar among early Jews and it was really, really um, widespread among the Celts. Um, so it's, it's amazing because there, there's definitely this, um, not only throughout time, but also throughout space, all of water is connected. Wow. So, do you foresee future through this method? You know, I don't personally practice that very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that if we look at the state of waters in the world on a more global scale, then we can absolutely see what's coming down the pike. Because again, everything is mirrored through water. Water reflects us back to ourselves always. And the way that we treat water is ultimately our fate. It's ultimately our destiny. 
And so when you see how many waterways throughout the world have been dammed and, and blocked and rerouted, well, we see that mirrored exactly in the global rise of, um, you know, circulatory issues and, mm -hmm. and people with clogged arteries and, and cardiac disease being one of the most prevalent, at least in the United States. I'm not sure about there in India, but in the U.S., it's, I think it's the number one killer. Mm -hmm. And it's because we're, I'm not saying it's, this is the only reason, it's because we're blocking riverways, but I'm saying that there is, on a grander scale, there's always a mirroring between the way we treat water and, and our own fate, our own destiny. Like Victor Schauberger, even back in the late 1800s, he could see the way that we were treating water as an inanimate object. And he directly predicted all of the climate issues that we're experiencing now, because they're inev an inevitable result of the way that we've been treating water. And the more that we privatize water, and the more that we objectify it, the more life itself will become a commodity, less sacred, and more a thing to be traded and objectified. And, and we see that um, in some of the measures that are actually taking place right now in terms of the the um, response to the whole COVID thing, you know, some of the, the solutions being put forth by the World Economic Forum in Davos that, mm -hmm. um, that really just commodify every aspect of, of human existence. And so even without the, the personal practices of, of staring into a, a bowl full of water, we can just stare into our collective waters and recognize that if we want to shift our relationship with with life and what it means to be alive and to really thrive, it starts first with how we treat the body of life itself. Oh, I can relate to one of the statements you previously made in the previous question. You said that Akashic records, physical side is the water element. Same way, after listening to all these aspects, you know, you can say how the community is living, how they treat water. We could say that the water crisis is the physical side of global warming. We could also look at it that way. Absolutely. In fact, there's a lot of amazing um, research being done into how water is really the solution to climate change. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's no element, there's no mo molecule that can affect the world's climates on such a short time scale as water can. You know, even if we were to cut carbon emissions to zero tomorrow, it would still take hundreds of years for mm -hmm. the planet to balance itself out. You know, you can, you can sort of liken global warming to what's being mirrored in this worldwide um, inflammation epidemic. You know, there's mm -hmm. so much inflammation in everyone's bodies nowadays, and there's so much uh, heat and an inflammatory warming on the planet as well. And so when you have a fire, what do you do? You, you put it out with water. Water is mm -hmm. cooling and water is the sole mediator of solar energy on earth. I mean, from cloud microphysics to fluctuating sea surface temperatures, water is the way that the, the solar energy is mediated on Earth. And so when we have this uh, global drought and desertification, when the water tables are being lowered because water is not being respected, it's being treated as an inanimate object. And so it's gradually disappearing. And we see a direct correlation with the disappearance of water and the rising of temperatures. And so restoring watersheds and restoring the hydrological cycle is really the most effective and the quickest thing that we could possibly do to cool the climate and restore 
natural climatological balance on earth? Well, I mean, we also say the blood is called as the river of life in our body. So, and with mm-hmm. inflammations, it is what the, the heat element is just getting more and more and the water is struggling to keep it cool. And that's what we can relate it to. Wow. I never saw it in this. Absolutely. And, and it's also due to, I mean, the inflammation is, is because there's not enough flow of the water in our bodies because we're largely dehydrated. And it's also because of all of the, there's so much toxicity that's building up and there's so much sedentary uh, lifestyle that we're not actually moving our lymphatic fluids. Of course, the lymphatic fluid, we have three times more lymph than we do blood. You might have, mm-hmm. you know, three to five mm-hmm. liters of blood in your body and have around 15 liters of lymph. And it's really our, our sanitation, you know, it washes mm-hmm. us clean and it gives us these inner showers so that we can wash away any toxins. But because, because A, people are dehydrated and B, people are sitting still so much, we don't move as our ancient ancestors did. They were in constant movement. And so their lymphatic fluid was constantly moving. Unlike our blood, the lymph doesn't have a pump. It only moves when we do. And so people are basically, their insides are stewing in, in their own sewage. And mm. so, of course, again, we see this mirrored on a, on a grand scale where our oceans are filled with toxicity and our inner oceans are also filled with this toxicity that we can't move out and so anywhere that you have this toxic buildup the sewage that's basically bathing the tissues that's again where you get sites of inflammation wow isabel i I never thought that we could look at it from this point of view i mean we know this concept so within so outside the same way how we treat the water body and the same is happening inside the human body and also in the collective consciousness This is Mm -hmm. such a beautiful way of looking at it. And we have, you know, the best things to miss is those things that is right under our nose. And we are missing the most. It's so simple and so profound. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And And it's true. You know, we we say that water is the mother. Mm -hmm. And I think this this is so true, but we also it's a bit different. Like it's um, I think that's the best analogy that we can use. But unlike our human mother, you know, we left her womb and we became our own person. And so we're separate from, from that mother, right? Mm -hmm. But water is a mother that we never separated from. We're still in her womb, you know? And so Mm -hmm. we, we still share the same body and there's no difference between the water inside of us and the water outside of us. What we do to our water, we do to ourselves. So we're still very much within water's womb. And I think that it's, it's not until we recognize this, that we'll, we'll be able to find not only global health, but global peace and global abundance as well. That's really enlightening. There's no better word than enlightening, I guess. And listening to all that you're talking mm-hmm. about water, I mean, I mean, no wonder in Southeast Asia and even in India, we worship water. You know, water is like a goddess herself. And... Uh, I think even in, uh, even in many parts of Southeast Asia and even in Mayan culture, they worship God. Uh, water is considered to be like a goddess. So, and you also talk about the spirit of the water spirit. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Well, like we said before, water is conscious and water mm-hmm. is alive. In fact, water is sort of the body of consciousness itself. If you look at all of the the um, indigenous and religious teachings about 
our origins, if you study all of the origin stories, I have yet to find a single origin story from a single culture that does not center water. Like in, in the Vedas, it says, you know, uh, in the beginning, Narayana was floating on a primeval ocean. Mm-hmm. And then after many eons, he began to create the world. And then in, in, um, in Christianity, of course, they say the very first lines of Genesis, the very first lines of the Bible, um, in the beginning, there was nothing. And then God moved over the face of the waters. So in the beginning, the only thing that existed was God and water. And so there's this primary um, inextricability. <laughs> it's just inextricable to, to remove spirit and the process of creation and the breath of God from water it's Mm. really it's really um it's again yeah it's consciousness itself and in every indigenous creation story you see the same thing and you will also see cross-culturally around the world that every body of water has its attendant goddess its attendant nymphs and its dyads and its its spirits that that are very alive and animate those places and you'll not find a single body of water where the the original people in that area didn't have some kind of process of honoring you know whether by making offerings or by making prayers or by making sacrifices um, to that body of water and so there's there's this recognition of water as conscious that that predates um, recorded history by far and it's pretty interesting to actually study the history of the way that that was kind of robbed from, at least from the Western consciousness, Mm -hmm. um, because it took the Catholic church many, many centuries. Like you can see the edicts that the popes um, would publish saying, you know, if, if in the territory of a priest an infidel worships a a spring or a fountain, then, then that's heresy, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll see again, like two centuries later, like another pope has to make the same edict again. And then a century later, somebody else in the Catholic church is like, so they, it took centuries and centuries of them trying to like get this out of, of the collective consciousness. And in the end, what they ended up doing instead was just um, incorporating the water practices into the Catholic church. And so we see, you know, people baptize and people cross themselves with holy water and of course in you know in hindu temples there's always water in the in the uh in the front of the temple Mm -hmm. and and mosques you always wash yourself with water before you go into the mosque and um in orthodox uh, judaic communities um you do ablutions before and after every major thing including you know before and after having sex you do ablutions with water and it's just a, such a primary part of all spiritual life from the moment you're born until the moment you die. And of course, you know, in Buddhist traditions and all, all kinds of traditions, there are funeral ceremonies involving water as well. So water is an integral part of every aspect of spiritual life. And it's, it's mainly because it actually functions as the intermediary between the human and the heavenly. It functions as this medium between the divine and the mundane. It's this point of communication. That's why it's always used in, in prayer ceremonies. And it's, I think it's the reason why prayer itself is so effective. It's the reason why mantra and vibration and intention um, are so effective because water is able to receive and transmit and amplify those signals and those frequencies. And the more coherent our body waters are, the more they're actually able to 
store and transmit those energies more effectively as well. So the more coherent your body water is, the more effective your prayers are, the more effective your, your manifestation techniques are. And um, there's a, it's a whole other rabbit hole of study, just that, that more mystical aspect in and of itself. They're really, really profound. Well, this sounds like if somebody is getting enlightened, that means his body's structured water or connected water is just abundant in his system. Yeah, well, even water itself is uh, liquid light. Mm -hmm. So if you look at some of the work of like Dr. Mei Wan Ho, who was a biophysicist, and um, Dr. Emoto talked about this as well, mm -hmm. that water is actually stored light. Mm. Yeah. yeah, because when you say that water is the way to connect with the divine, and that's what you mentioned, it is like the physical aspect of the Akashic records. I mean, we are connecting to the divine through this element. This is the, it's like the mobile phone we are using to connect to somebody else that we are not able to see. Absolutely. And, and modern uh, labs are finding that the, the link between uh, the quantum field or you know, what they call zero point energy mm -hmm. is very similar, has very similar properties to water. Like there's this new um, theory in physics and cosmology that um, they're not calling it dark matter and dark energy anymore, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. it behaves like a fluid, they're calling it dark fluid theory. And that, I mean, this is basically all of the unseen energy in the entire universe. It, it, it's constantly present absolutely everywhere it's it's omnipresent and it's transdimensional and it's timeless and it's eternal and um and you know that's the official <laughs> official scientific explanation of the quantum field right well mm -hmm. it behaves just like an ocean just like this primeval ocean that all of the spiritual texts speak about and it has a direct communication channel with with the physical substance of water as well you know they're they're doing some amazing studies on the quantum phase the quantum state of water like i think and um, the oak ridge national laboratory did a study recently that showed that water can pass through solid walls and that a single water molecule can in can inhabit multiple locations in space at the same time. So one molecule can be in six different locations at once. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting because when you look at the enlightened masters, when you look at some of the, the gurus from India who had these incredible cities where they could, you know, bilocate and sextolocate and they could pass through solid walls. Maybe they were tapping into some fundamental property of this multidimensional nature of their own water bodies. So, Listening to this, you know, uh, when we talk about the new moon and full moon and how the moon actually affects the ebb and tide, and we say mm -hmm. that you know, 70% of our body is, uh, uh, I mean, 70% of our body is water element, and we say that sometimes, you know, during my consultation with my patients when they come for their healing treatment in Sitaram, so sometimes they say, okay, I'm having uh, a lot of headaches or I'm feeling very low, and I see that some people, they are very much uh, connected with the new moon and some people are very much connected with the full moon. So now the question is, does water have a relation with our emotions? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, water is, is inextricably tied with our, our feeling body. 
Um, and it's interesting that you bring up the phases of the moon because, you know, of course, that's the closest planetary body to us. And so mm -hmm. it, it affects us greatly. And actually, water is affected by all planetary movements. Mm. And that's one of the theories as to why astrology is so accurate, because it's actually affecting the water in our bodies. There's a researcher named Theodore Schwenk, who did some really interesting studies um, where he would look at the flow forms that were mm -hmm. um, formed by water under different phases and different uh, planetary aspects. And he proved conclusively that, that water is constantly absorbing all of the cosmic stimuli from our solar system. And so, you know, because we're made of water, that might be why astrology affects us so greatly. Well, listening to you, I think I'm going to relate every life, study of life, or even study of biology, we can call it as the study of water element. It is. It's so true. So we feel that the water actually amplifies our emotions. Yes. So there was, um, there was a researcher in... Russia named Dr. Korokov, mm -hmm. who was doing some studies on the various things that affect water. Mm -hmm. And of course, he showed that water is sensitive to everything. Basically, I mean, Theodore Schwenk called water the sensory organ of the earth. And if you think of her as the, Akash, the body of the Akashic field, then of course, she's always sensing, always recognizing, always learning, always remembering, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's sensitive to auditory stimuli and visual stimuli and um, subtle electromagnetic fields and the movements of the planets and the stars and all of that. But what Dr. Korokov found was that the number one thing that affects water more than anything else is human emotion. And that may be because we're actually made of water. And so there's this, this sympathy in the coherence between us and our communion with water. Uh, and maybe that's one of the findings of the scientist, Japanese scientist, um, Emoto. Am I correct? Am I saying his name correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dr. Emoto. Yeah, I mean, he was also studying this when he took the water near people who are meditating and he could see that the water's molecules are looking like a jewel or like a diamond. Is that mm -hmm. how it is? It is, yeah. It's a... It's a it creates more coherence in the water when you have a more coherent field in your energetic body. Like there's, um, there's this institute named the Heart Math Institute that studies sort of the electromagnetic um, effects of our mental and our emotional states. Mm. And what they've noticed is that when you're in lower vibrational states like fear, jealousy, hatred, all of this, there's, there's no coherence between your brainwave patterns and your heart wave patterns. But when you're in a state of heart-brain coherence, there's more symmetry. There's more, um, like the, all of the, the waves are sort of aligned with one another. And when you're, you're in that state, it's like a laser beam, right? Mm -hmm. So a laser beam is so powerful because all of the light, all of the photons, they're moving together with really, really high coherence versus light that's just scattered from a light bulb, for example. And it's the same with us when our, our emotions, which are more magnetic, and our thoughts, which are more electrical through the electrical synapses in our brains, um, when those are in a more coherent state, then they really impact the water with, with, a, higher, um, yeah, with a higher efficacy because mm -hmm. 
they're coherent, like a laser is coherent. Wow, so much to learn in this topic. This is like beyond imagination. I think we are still scratching the surface of the intelligence of water that it can provide us. Absolutely. One of my favorite water scientists said, um, he said, we know absolutely nothing about water. Mm -hmm. Like even now, even today, even after this whole conversation we've had, even after, you know, hundreds of years and, um, and super in-depth research and all of the indigenous teachings, like compared to everything that there is to know about water, we still have barely even scratched the meniscus. In fact, you know, there is a quote in the Vedas, uh, which talks about actually our knowledge, and it, it actually has a lot to do with the water element. It says, what is known is only a drop, the unknown is an ocean. I love that. That's how it's, I love that. We, could, we could conclude the whole <laughs> description like that. Yes, absolutely. And what Thich Nhat Hanh said, which mirrors that beautifully, he said, enlightenment is when the drop realizes that it is the ocean. Wow, that, that completes it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Isabel, oh, it's been I'm, so I'm, lovely to connect with you. Exactly. And uh, Isabel, how can people learn more about you? And I'm sure many people listening to you would want to learn and who are interested in learning more about the element of water. How can they reach out to you? Well, my website is waterislife.love, www.waterislife.love. I share a lot of water wisdom on Instagram, which is at Jen Isabel Friend, just my name. Mm -hmm. And I have, um, have a number of free resources, tons of free videos, free downloads on my website and on YouTube. And I also have an e-course that's a seven-day e-course all about drinking water. So if you want to learn more about where to find the highest quality water, how to make the highest quality water, how to turn swag water into living water, um, it's only $33. It's a seven-day course, and it'll totally transform <laughs> your hydration forever. So I definitely recommend that one. But what I'm really excited about right now is that on the full moon this month, on the 28th, I will be releasing and the Internal Oceans e-course, which is all about health, wellness, our bio waters, and the mirroring of the earth and our internal hydrological cycles and how our internal hydrology is really the number one determining factor of health. And so I'm really excited about that one. It's, it's accumulation of, um, or a culmination of, of several years of work. So that baby is going out into the world now. I'd love for people to check it out. Wow, Isabel, thank you so much for being in my podcast. Uh, and this is one of the most enlightening conversations that I've had, which truly uplifted you know, how we can look at nature and how we can look back into our own souls. I think this is, we are, we all are suffering from, when we say somebody suffering from a disease, we are actually suffering from how much are we living with structured water inside us? I think that's what we all are going back to. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an honor and a pleasure and a joy. And I wish you and all of your listeners a beautiful day and stay super hydrated. Thank you.